Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Gary Bowman for today's message. Well, good morning, Paseo del Rey. Hey, it is good to be with you always. Would you grab your Bibles and open to Luke chapter 2? And if you forgot your Bible this morning, there's a Bible near you on the rack underneath you. And I think it's on page 1026 there. Hey, Paseo del Rey, you have just been knocking it out of the ballpark at being the hands and feet of Jesus. You've just been like irrationally generous and that's, that's being like Christ. I just have thought back to this fall, earlier in the fall, we did this walk for water, you did this walk for water, and we raised almost $20,000 for uh, clean water filters for Rwanda. And then last month in November, we built about 400 clean water filters for the most vulnerable people in Rwanda. That is awesome. Uh, just ir- irrational generosity, Paseo Dore, way to go. And then, man, I look at these Christmas trees like, I can't decide which tree to bring my family to and have our own little Christmas right here. I mean, this is incredible. And these are all gifts that you have um, purchased. Uh, they just kind of went like that. We, we offered them to you. Therefore, uh, people right here in Chula Vista, vulnerable people, young adults who have um, aged out of the foster care system. The foster care system didn't work for them. So they're still really without a family, extended family. And um, so they're in a place, ministry called Trolley Trestle here in Chula Vista. And you have bought gifts for them and for those that have children. And you guys have just really rocked. Praise God for that. And then uh, February, uh, we're taking a team down to Houston. There is still, I know it's not in the news, but there is a lot of cleanup that will go on for years in Houston. And so we're uh, sending a team from Paseo del Rey. If you're interested in that, um, you can pick up an application in the office. It's due today, and that team is going to get picked, and then we're going to send them down to Houston. And then, you guys are just so irrationally generous, and I bring you warm and huge hugs and greetings and smiles from pastors and churches in Zambia. I got back from Zambia on a Tuesday night late. And uh, some of you wonder, where is Zambia? No, it's not in South America. It's in Africa. It's in Southern Africa. It's a kind of an odd-shaped country. It was a British colony. And um, it is an incredible place. uh, And godly men and women, but but less, uh, so much less training and access to training than we have here. And so we're taking our Pathways training We've been doing this, remember, in Rwanda the last three years where we've been training pastors who will train other pastors. And so uh, a couple of us went uh, last week and to uh, and uh, take a look at the next picture. We, we did what we call a pre-training. Let's take a look at the next one here. We, we did a pre-training in which we had about 60 to 90 pastors and leaders. And we kind of showed them, gave them a sample of what we do in Pathways. And just a great group of pastors and church leaders. And um, we're going to take 16 of them and do a three-year training with them. And they're just so... you, Paseo del Rey, you are like a rock star in Africa. 
because they say, how did you get here? I said, my church sent me. And they're like, man, what church is this? We want to come and be with you. So I brought some of them back with me. And they're going to sing. And, and man, when they worship, they worship. We'll have them join in with us. So we did this um, awesome a couple of days of pre-training. And in May, we're going to be start, starting the Pathways training there with a group of 16 pastors who will then train other trainers. So take a look at the next picture here. Here's a couple of the brothers. I'm the tall one. Uh, <laughs> You know, I just don't even stand out. People say, that's not a Mazungu. That's one of us there. And uh, these are a couple of, this is the church I preached in last Sunday morning. And uh, the fellow on the right there is uh, Bishop Paul. He's the pastor of this church. It's in the slums uh, of, uh, of uh, the capital city of Lusaka. And when we were driving from the, 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 the moderate hotel that I was staying in, we were staying in, and we, were, we drove, we got off got on some dirty dirt roads and then dirt roads and then super dirt roads. And Pastor Paul turned around to me and he said, welcome to Africa. And we were in the middle of Africa. And this is where he's been pastoring for 16 years. And he trains pastors there and he sends them out. But he stays in the slums. In the congregation last Sunday, we had uh, people from Zambia. We had uh, Burundis. We had uh, folks from DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo from Tanzania. A lot of them are immigrants, a lot of them political violence, and they'd come. And of course, they end in the slums and they end up in Pastor uh, Paul's church. So some of the great guys there. This is Pastor Paul with some of his family. And you see his wife in the stripes. There will be more family coming to Pastor Paul's uh, uh, family as well. And let's take a look at the next picture here. I'm not sure. Oh, here we are. So a lot of people say, well, what do you eat when you're there? We eat food, and it is good food. It's sometimes different. And here are some of the ladies in the church, in their church kitchen um, outside, uh, making lunch for us uh, last Sunday. Uh, here's where they cook it. There's the, the meat down on the right, and then they deep fry it, in the, or I guess flash fry it or something in those pots there. But it is a great opportunity. Thank you for letting me be part of it. Thank you that you're part of this ministry of training pastors how to study and teach the Word, who will train other pastors to study and teach the Word. So I think, yeah. Oh, these are the, the, uh, uh, these are the leaders of the group, the network that I'll be leading. Um, on, from left to right is Chris, Christopher, and then Harris, and then Pastor Paul. Uh, on the right-hand side of the screen. These are good, good brothers, and they'll be the ones that will really be coordinating this group. So as we come three times a year for three years, things will be in place. So pray for this Pathways ministry coming up. Pray for, pray for Zambia that, a minute, that, that there would be a harvest and a feast of God's Word in a country when, in which there's not a lot of that happening. So be praying for us as we move forward. You'll hear a, a whole lot more about that. Okay, so, hey, Christmas for misfits. And we are thinking this morning about the shepherds and about Mary and about hearing well, about hearing well. Um, And I was thinking, um, if I was in charge of God's coming to earth for his big arrival, man, this is not the cast of characters that I would have surrounding me. Um, uh, if I was in charge of, of, of all the arrangement for God coming to earth, these are not the people I would have chosen that the Bible tells us about um, to be there at his birth. And, and, and I don't know why, if I was in charge, I wouldn't have chosen this tiny little town of Bethlehem 
And I wouldn't have come in the middle of the night. If you or I were in charge of God's arrival um, for, for the very first Christmas, we would have chosen like a power city, wouldn't we? A major city of the world. We would have chosen like God show up in New York City or show up in London or and show up in Chula Vista, you know, somewhere that's powerful and magnificent. And, and we would have wanted to make sure that all the news networks were there, that, that Fox was there and CNN was there. And we'd want powerful people there. We want princes and kings and presidents and senators and movie stars and insiders and sports stars. But with God in charge of Christmas, he does kind of an interesting thing to me is he, he does it in a way that I would have never done it. He chooses, for instance, the middle of the night. And he chooses a little town, Bethlehem, that's probably about the same population as the size of our church. Kind of an obscure little town outside of a bigger town. And he surrounds himself with a group of misfits. I mean, all the people in the Bible story are in one way or another odd and out of place. They're not the people you would have expected or you would have planned for. Think of some of the people that are surrounding Jesus. Um, there's Elizabeth and this now not able to speak, her now not able to speak husband, um, Zachariah. They're kind of an interesting, old, odd couple. What are, what are they doing in this story? And then last Sunday, Pastor Jen uh, talked about Joseph and Mary, this young Jewish unmarried couple who discovered that they're pregnant. And Joseph is like, I know you're not sleeping with me. So who are you sleeping with? And the rumors around town, was it Joseph or was Mary playing around on, on jo- behind Joseph's back? And, and this is this odd situation. And, and think of the family tree of Jesus that we looked at two years, two weeks ago from Matthew chapter one. And think of the gaggle of people hanging out in Jesus' family tree. I mean, look at this list of names. There's, um, what, Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Uriah's wife. Man, these are misfits. These are odd people. Uh, Tamar is, she dresses up and pretends to be a prostitute so that she can have sex with her father-in-law. That's pretty weird, right? That's a misfit. And, and yet she's a mother of Jesus. Or, or Rahab, who's a prostitute. Or, or Ruth, who's, she's a foreigner. She was not welcome in the land of Israel. She was a Moabitess. And Uriah's wife, this, this woman who was sexually abused by King David, became, and became pregnant. And then, of course, there's the Magi. And the Magi are kind of interesting characters, too, aren't they? They're... Um, they're part magician. They're part people who study the stars. And they, they come looking for the king. And they're from a place that today they wouldn't be welcome through immigration in the United States, right? They're from Iraq and Iran. They couldn't get past immigration officers. And then they have to escape. And what is their story? And then, and then there are the shepherds. And we're going to talk a lot about the shepherds this morning. These, these odd characters. There they are in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
Now, if you've been in church much, you've heard sermons about shepherds, and you know a little bit about shepherds. Shepherds are oddballs. Shepherds are, are guys that you would never want your daughter to date. You'd never want shepherds, if you go to the hospital to visit a baby, and you would never want to see shepherds wandering around the maternity ward at, the, at a hospital. Shepherds were, 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 were loners. They were dirty. They had a problem differentiating between what was theirs and what was yours. And they, they, they were known as thieves. And they were also known as truth-challenged. In fact, a shepherd's testimony was not allowed to stand in a court of law. They, 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 they exaggerated and they, they told stories and, and they misled people and they lied. And yet here they are, smack dab in the middle of God's grand plan of coming to earth in the person of his son. So let's take a look at this misfit oddball Christmas. Uh, Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verses 8 to verse 20. Follow along in your Bible. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory, glory, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. And when the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Oh, what a story. Jesus comes to this little tiny town, Bethlehem, in the middle of the night. I started thinking, that's how Jesus comes to me. He comes to me in the middle of the night. He comes to me when life is darkest. When I don't see any light. When I don't see any hope. See, Jesus has been doing this from the beginning. It's so often, isn't it, times in our lives when life seems so gloomy and so dark and so hopeless that Jesus comes. And meets us. Amen? And he did it that night 
Aren't you glad I wasn't in charge of the first Christmas? And he comes, he comes, and this, the angel of the Lord, verse 9, appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, because there's a Savior, and He's been born to you. He is the Messiah, the one that the Old Testament has talked about, and He is the Lord. You'll find Him as a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then this great company of angels show up. And look at verse 15 with me. As I was studying this week, I saw something in the text that I had skipped over in my previous readings. I've read this a hundred times, and I skipped over it. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened Here's what I'd missed, which the Lord had told us about. You see, they heard angels speaking to them, but they realized it was God speaking through the angels to them. That this was God's promise. This was God's hope. And he used these messengers of the, of the angels. And I, I, never no, I, I don't remember noticing that before. And look what they did then. When they realized that God had spoken, what they did. Look, look at verse, verse 16. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They, they didn't go, when the semester's over, then we'll go to Bethlehem, right? They didn't go, when we finish school or when we get out of debt. Or when it's convenient time. Or when the kids get a little bit older. They hurry. What, what does the text tell us? We keep our finger in the text. So they hurried off. They, they rushed off. Here are these, what I would consider misfit shepherds. And they say to other, each other, let's go see the Savior as fast as we can. And they, they found him. And what an awesome scene it must have been. And then verse 17. When they had seen him. As they were departing, apparently, verse 17, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. That's what we're to do, right? That's what disciples, that's what followers, that's what people who have been changed by Jesus do. Is they, I I, I just, I love the wording in verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. They, They told what God had told them, what the Lord had told them. And they intermix that with their personal experience, right? Of, of them, of their experience of meeting Christ there on that first Christmas day. And they begin to spread the word. And this word spread has the idea of like casting seed out. Not just in one little place. But as they were going home, and maybe they took detours. Maybe they took different ways. But they were spreading the word concerning Jesus whom they had met. They didn't, they, they didn't even have to take a discipleship course They were so affected by Jesus that this is what these new believers in Christ were doing. And and, and notice what happens then. Notice the result of of this then in verse 17. When they had seen this, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And look at verse 18. And all who heard. I I want you to key in on that phrase for a minute. And all who heard. So, so. Here the shepherds are out in the field, right? And these angels show up and give them a message. And they realize, the shepherds realize, this is the Lord speaking to us. 
And they didn't dilly-dally around. They rushed to go and to find Jesus. And they found Jesus. And after they saw him and worshipped him and, and talked with his mother and father, we don't know all that happened there, that then as they began to head back home, everywhere they went, they were spreading the word about Jesus. And the text says, The text says in, what verse is it? It's in verse 18. And all who heard it. So this person and this person and this person, this person. They all heard the message, right? Every one of them them heard the message. And all all who heard the message were amazed. Some of your Bibles say they wondered at. Now I want to suggest to you. That they didn't hear well. The all who heard. Didn't hear well. And I want to suggest that to you for a couple of reasons. Is there's no record of any of the all who heard. Setting down whatever they were doing. And rushing to come see Jesus. I, I just I can't find any reference to that in the text here. There's no reference in the text to them. Praising God. And glorifying God like like the shepherds do. There's no record of them treasuring and pondering these things in their hearts as Mary did. And, And I want to suggest to you that while they heard the same message that the shepherds heard. Because that's the message the shepherds gave them. They heard the same message the shepherds did. And they heard the same message that Mary heard. They didn't hear well. Now you say, well Gary, the text says they were amazed. Yeah, I understand that, that they wondered at that. But you know, you and I are amazed at a lot of things. And then the next day, we're not amazed by those things, right? You know what I'm amazed by? The iPhone 10. In fact, if any of you are interested, you know, what to get me for Christmas this year, that would be an awesome gift. I, it's easy to remember, iPhone 10, okay? I'm amazed by that. But next year, when iPhone 11 comes out, guess what I'm going to be amazed by? iPhone 11, Right? We, we are amazed by, just because we're amazed and amused by something, like, like um, uh, you, you might be amazed by, by the new model, the latest model of a car that just came out, right? I'm amazed by, oh, it's so beautiful. Or I might be amazed by a website, or I might be amazed, the food at that restaurant, the sushi was amazing, right? And then you're on to the next thing. We, we, we don't see any change in the lives of the Men and women in verse 18, all who heard, they were amazed. But nothing more. There's no fruit. There's fruit in Mary's life. There's fruit in the shepherd's life, but there's no fruit. But here's an even more important text, because that's an argument from silence, right? But here's an argument right from the text that makes me think that while they heard, they didn't hear well. And it's an incredibly important Word, theological word that's found in verse 19. So let's start in 18 and then look and go on to 19. And all who heard the message of the shepherds, that shepherds are spreading around, right? Were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, that word but is one of the most important theological words you'll ever come across in your Bibles. Because it means, but is an adversative, right? And what it means is, what was just in, in contrast to what was just stated, now this. 
And I think our Bible, biblical writer here, Luke, Dr. Luke, use, is what he's trying to say, say is these, these all who heard, they didn't hear well. In contrast, look at Mary. Look at the shepherds. That, that word but is not just there to fill up space. God in his inspiration of Dr. Luke as he wrote the Gospels, put that word in there. But Mary, in contrast to all who heard, Mary heard well. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds, take the shepherds, they, glor- they returned back to the fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, uh, heard and seen, and which were just as they had said they were. You, you, you see, I think, I think what happened was these all who heard didn't hear well. And that's a problem that we have, isn't it? Not hearing well. We hear all the time. April and I have been married 40 years now. And sometimes, once or twice in our marriage, or three times maybe, we've been having a conversation together. And she says to me, you're not listening. I say, pardon me? Excuse me? She says, you're, you're not listening. Right? Kind of wave the hand in front of the face sometimes. And, and, and I say, oh, and I can sometimes... Most of the time, I can repeat the words she's been saying, right? But she's, I hate to admit this, but it's Christmas time. She's usually right. I'm not, I'm listening, I'm hearing, but I'm not hearing well. I'm not hearing between the lines. I'm not hearing the emotions. I'm not hearing what she really wants to communicate to me. Now, why is it that sometimes we hear, but we don't hear well? And and, I'm throwing this open for you. Why is it that sometimes we we listen and we hear, but we don't hear well. We're distracted. Yeah, we're distracted. We're thinking, yeah, thinking about what I need to do next or what I really want to be doing. Some of you do that. Yeah, what else? We're self-absorbed. We're, we're a lot of times thinking about something else, and it's usually about ourselves, right? About my problem, about my need, about my things, right? Why else? Do we sometimes not hear well? I don't like what I'm hearing. Yeah, I'm glad your wife's not sitting next to you today, Michael. That's really good. Yeah. Someone at first service was bold enough to say, I don't care. You know, kind of a, 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 trans, a paraphrase of the same thing. Why else don't we hear well sometimes? Say that again. Yeah, the, the hard drive is, is just absolutely full. We're just kind of done, right? Yeah. Any, another. Why don't we hear well? We're reacting to a problem of... Oh, my goodness. David, you must have read my sermon notes here, right? We're reacting to the messenger, to the way the messenger looks or is dressed or they're pedigreed or, you know, you you listen better the higher a rank of a person is, Right? And the lower a rank, John. <laughs> John said, why, and so why aren't you listening to April? Yes, that's a good question. There are always exceptions to these things. And let me think what I'm thinking about now. <laughs> so there's all these reasons we don't listen well, aren't there? Aren't there? Now, I want to shift it from marriage and re- human relationships and say, 
I think we're in danger of not listening to God well for some of the very same reasons. For some of the very same reasons that you've just laid out here. That we hear, we hear preachers, we hear podcasts, we read our Bible, we read devotionals, we read our books, we listen, we go to conferences, we hear speakers, we go to seminary, we go to Bible school. We, we hear, we hear the same message. Because remember, the shepherds heard the same message as the all who heard, heard, and that Mary heard. But I think their reactions in the text are markedly different from one another. And some heard well, and others didn't hear well. And I want to I encourage us today to hear well God speaking. And I want to share two things. And I, Dave, Dave, you had a brilliant insight because it's my first point. Of course, it was brilliant. Um, I, I, it's just, I mean, more than brilliant, by the way. So here, here's the first thing I would say is that there's a danger of not hearing God well because of misfit messengers. That sometimes we don't hear God well because we look down on the messenger for some reason or another, right? So, for instance... The, the shepherds heard well, and they were greatly affected. Man, I mean, they, 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 they just don't, don't waste any time at all in going and seeing the Savior. They see the Savior. They worship the Savior. And then they go tell everybody. Great reaction. They heard well, right? Now, why did they hear so well, do you think? Open question. <laughs> they had this angelic choir, right? And, 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 now, if an angelic choir showed up in your bedroom tonight... Right? I mean, it is living color. It's the, it's the whole thing. It's, it's the whole enchilada. And it's an angel. And it's the Lord speaking to them. You would hear really well, right? But what do you get stuck with? Me. <laughs> the shepherd. Right? The misfit. Right? And every pastor, every Bible teacher, every seminary professor... All of us who teach are flawed and broken and boring at times. I bet you the angels were never boring, right? I mean, they, they, they sold more podcasts than I sold, ever, ever sold, right? These guys were eloquent and they were magnificent and they were bright. Apparently, and, and they could, one thing for sure that I can't do, they could sing. Although the text says they were, they were saying, but I think they were probably singing this angelic choir. So be careful that you don't discount the message because of the messenger. And not just pastors and teachers, but your wife or your husband or your parent or your child or your friend or your neighbor. If, if, if God can speak, and I'm just going to be blunt here. Through a jackass? Balaam, right? Balaam's donkey, right? If God can speak through a donkey, it's not the messenger that's important. No, there, there's important that he has integrity and that he's, he's right with growing in his relationship with the Lord and all of that. But it's the power of the word, of the message, not the messenger, right? And don't get so enamored with eloquent messengers either. That your life depends on them. Your life depends upon the living word of God. And we pastors are all flawed, every single one of us. I, I heard this story of this 
after church, this seven or eight-year-old boy came up to the pastor. He had a handful of coins. He said, Pastor, this is for you. And the pastor said, I'm not going to take a handful of coins. He says, hey, what is that? He says, this is my allowance for the last three months. And I want you to have it, Pastor. And the kid said, well, why do you, the pastor said, well, why do you want me to have it? He says, well, my dad says you're the poorest preacher in the whole world. So I just figure you need all that you can get. Yeah. But it's not the messenger, is it? It's the message. And God's truth can be spoken clearly through shepherds. See, I think that's what happened to these people in verse 18. All who heard it. All, the, all who heard it. Oh, shepherds? They don't have any theology. Their breath smells bad. They're liars. Why should I believe this message through these messengers? And, and, and then, I, 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 not, only is, not only is it preachers, but the Bible, which is not a misfit, which is not flawed in any way. But it's written. It's black and white. And sometimes it's long. And I just want to be honest with you. Sometimes when I read it, it's boring sometimes. Now, sometimes it's living color and, and it's, it's alive and it jumps out of the page. But sometimes, like, begat, begat, begat. Man, I don't get it, right? Man, I want an angelic choir to show up in our family room tonight. I want an angel to read the scripture to me. Then I'll, then I'll listen well. So be careful, too, that we don't um, uh, discount God's word just because he hasn't spoken to us in, in, in angels doesn't mean uh, that his word is not, is, is, is not what we need to hear. It's not what we need to study. So there's a danger of not hearing well because we discount the misfit messenger. Here's the second thing I want to leave us with. Is the good of slowing down to hear God well. The shepherds heard well. And Mary heard well. Same message. But they slowed down to hear. My way to Zambia in one of the airports, they had these long moving sidewalks, you know, in, inside the airport. And so you can either, you know, walk, because it's quite a length between gates sometimes, or you can get on the moving sidewalk. And it moves quite a bit quicker and you spend less energy. And a lot of times you end up walking even on the moving sidewalk. And you're going along at a pretty good clip. And I was thinking, if you were trying to, if you were on the moving sidewalk and you were trying to, and you were walking, and you were trying to have a conversation with someone else that was walking uh, off of the moving sidewalk, you'd only have a little tiny conversation. Hey, how are you doing? Good to see you, right? If you want to have a conversation with someone that's not on the moving sidewalk, You've got to slow down. You've got to get off the moving sidewalk and you have to walk with them. God's not fast or slow. But it seems to me that God moves at a slower pace than we do. Wonderful. He's never, God's never rushed, is he? He's never in a hurry. He's ne and he's never late. Because he's God. And we've got to get off that moving sidewalk. We, we, we want to get to the next gate. And if I can have a little time with God on the way, great, I'm all for it. But God says, man, I want you to get off that moving sidewalk and I want you to walk with me and have a conversation with me. I want you to slow down. And I think that's exactly, I know that's exactly what, what, 
what Mary did. Look in verse 19, the but compared to all those who heard. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Treasured and pondered. Let me talk about pondered for a minute. The word has this idea of, of throwing something out. And like, like if you're going to build a jigsaw puzzle at home and you open the box and you, you throw the parts out. And then you take the parts and you start, hmm, where's this one go? And how's this one go? And, and you start, oh, this, this is part of this over here. And you start putting it together. That's the idea here of pondering. When we ponder, we take God's word and we look at each of the words in the sentence. What's the relationship of, why is this but here, Right? Why is the word but here? There's a reason that word is but, that God put the word but there. And, and why is this word there? And, and is that a verb or is that a participle or is that a past verb? What does this word mean? And you see it's that putting these pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together so you see the whole picture. And it's looking at that sentence and it's looking at the sentences around it in the Bible text that you're studying and the, and the sentences around that and the paragraphs around that and even the whole Bible. And this is something we do with our Pathways guys is we say to our, our Pathways guys in Rwanda and now in Zambia, slow down. You think you know what the text says, but you probably don't because I don't. I, I told you about an insight that I had just this week as I slowed down. That it was the, they heard the, when the angels spoke, they heard the Lord speaking the text. I'd never noticed that, I don't think, before in my life. So we take these guys in pathways and we put them in groups of three and we say, hey, here's our passage. It's eight verses that we're going to study. Look at verse number one and make ten observations. N- not interpretations, not, not applications. Ten observations. Ten things that you see in that one verse. They, they go, oh, I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. Yeah, you will. And what's amazing is the insights don't come after they found the first three. The insights really start to come after they spend 10 or 15 minutes. And they get to insight 7 and 8 and 9 and 10. And they begin to see things that they'd never seen before because they slowed down. They pondered. Would you take time to ponder the good news that brings great joy that the Savior has come to rescue us and to love us and to be with us. I, I, love, I love this verse, Psalm 119, verse 130. The unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Well, that fits me really well. And I'm simple. It's God's word that gives me understanding for life. And it's just unfolding to see. But it takes time to unfold something. Um, our daughter, our youngest daughter, Emily, was married a couple, about two months or so ago. And uh, she and her husband, Brian, uh, moved, are renting a place out in La Mesa. And they, they ordered a bed of, uh, off of Amazon. And it came to our house. And it was in a box about four feet high and about two feet by two feet. Their new bed. They get, what do you guys do? Take turns or something? You know, you're married. It's okay now, right? You can sleep together. And they said, no, this is a, this is a, come out and see. So we went out to their, their, the place they're living, their little house. And, um, and 
so Brian, you know, got a knife and he cut real carefully the outside of the box. There were instructions. I thought like I, I you know, had wear, wear goggles and a helmet. I mean, nothing, you know, it could just explode on you, right? They, they, we cut all the way and the, the thing, it just starts to, this bed just starts to unfold. Boom, boom, boom. And there's like in about five minutes, there is just this bed. It was in this little tiny box. That's what God's words, that's what God's word is like. Man, you start, you start opening it up and you start unfolding it. It gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. Um, John mentioned a little bit during our um, welcome and announcement time, this reading plan. And we want you to slow down in the month of January too. And we want you to read Matthew's gospel with us. We're going to be starting to study the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, um, and, and 8. Five, six, and seven, seven, and eight, and we want you to read along with us. Not a lot. We want you to slow down. We want you to read with us each day. And if you if you read with us, you'll read through the whole Gospel of Matthew in January, and you'll read through the Sermon on the Mount about seven or eight times. I want you to slow down. This is just another tool, another way to do that. We we invite you to do that with us. The so she, Mary pondered, and then Mary, in verse 19, treasured up all these things. She treasured up all these things. The word means to um, care for and protect something, to keep it close. It's, a, it's an emotional word. It's a, it's a heart word. It's a cherishing kind of word. Sometimes when I travel, April um, writes little notes and sticks them in my suitcase just before I leave. She'll put them in a shirt pocket or in my shoes or in a pair of socks. And so then when I'm gone during the week, you know, I'll pull a pair of socks out and there'll be a little note in there. And I love those things. I love those things. Sometimes they'll just be, sometimes be simple. Hi, I love you. And other times it'll be like, you forgot to take out the trash. Uh, you know, a little note like that. And others of them, I'm not going to tell you what others of them say. But you know what? I treasure those things. And I don't take it and read it and then throw it on the floor or crumple it up or leave it laying around in the room wherever I'm staying. I put it in my pocket and I keep it close. I cherish those things. I treasure those things. And that's what Mary did, wasn't it? She said, if this is really true, if this is really true that God has come down and he is with us, everything about my life is changing. Where I spend my time, how I spend my money, what I hope in, what I love and what I cherish is all going to change. See, she's pondering and she's treasuring. And, and, and if, if this is true, if she's treasuring this, she's thinking if this is true that God came down and he came down in the midst of this gaggle of misfits 
smelly shepherds, a family tree that is weirder than yours. If he came down in the midst of broken and hurtful and messy, misfit people, then how should I go out to be among the broken and the hurting? How should I love the misfits in my own family and in my own culture? How should I feel about immigrants and people of different skin color and different classes, richer and poorer? more educated and less educated than I am. If Jesus came down in the midst of misfits, as Mary pondered these things, how is Jesus going to change me? I want to I wanna just push you as I push myself. Slow down so that you can hear God well. Emmanuel, he's come. He lives in us. He's with us. He wants to change everything about your life and everything about my life. There's no one that can do it but him. So Jesus, I'm so glad I wasn't in charge of the first Christmas. I'm so glad that you, Lord, had your way and you came from all of your glory. You came to live among us, broken and sinful misfits, every one of us. You rescue us and you're redeeming us and you're changing us. And Jesus, change us to be more like you to live our lives full of your love in the midst of the misfits and broken all around us. Emmanuel, the Lord is with us. Jesus, help us to hear well your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.